Welcome back to the show. It's We Are Live. Chris Denman, Travis Rowe, live at Midcoast Studio. Pleased to be joined by a very special guest, Travis. We have an actual talented mm. media personality. His name is Randy Carricker. He's from 101 ESPN. You can hear him <laughs> on the Fast Lane every weekday. What's up, my friend? Good to see you. Well, it's uh, that's the first time I've gotten a talented, so that's pretty cool <laughs> to hear. It's, uh, we have to placate your park behind me. I don't want an awkward thing <laughs> when we go out. So. Uh, good to be with you guys. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's really fun fun to just have you in studio. I know how busy you are, everything with uh, the Blues kicking off with preseason last night. We got a lot of Cardinal stuff to talk to you about. We're super interested about you as a person in such a volatile industry, doing uh, everything under the sun in St. Louis sports and still, I guess, just skyrocketing with such a popular show. So we're really excited to talk to you just about a little bit of uh, the business side of things where you've come from and uh, and your style too we always applaud your style i personally travis i know you feel like this i love that you you'll just put it out in front you're like you're gonna hear a fan's perspective <laughs> on on how i react to things so a wonderful work so far but b thanks for just coming in and being no, part of the show today it's interesting how when i started at kmox it like Bob Burns would get phone calls, and Mike Schmidt was the best player in the game. Right. And somebody would say, like, hey, the Cardinals should give up five minor leaguers for Mike Schmidt. And Bob Burns would say, <laughs> but where would you play him? <laughs> you know? So it was, it was one of those deals where nobody was ever critical of the Cardinals. And I was – because it used to be that it was columnists or people that worked for the newspaper or – Jack Buck or whatever doing the, the open line. So I really was kind of the first fan that gave my opinion. Right. And so I'm, I'm start doing, and it was a, a weird time because Anheuser-Busch had bailed on the team. Right. And Gussie had died and Anheuser-Busch had no interest. And they were treating these guys that I really liked and had developed relationships with people like Willie McGee and, and Vince Coleman and Terry Pendleton and Ken Daly. All these guys were going to become free agents. And so I'm going on the air criticizing the franchise. Oh, wow. And that had never happened in St. Louis before. <laughs> you got to remember, there was no sports talk radio except right. for Camoix. That was it. Right. And what year was this? 1989, 1990. That, yeah, you yeah. got to do – it's so tough because we can just click buttons now and literally get any kind of content you right. want. It is so tough to think of a time where you had to sit and wait for specific types of content. And remember, it's that's a great point because – we were an information medium. When I started, and I first started doing Cardinal Post game in like 1987, I'd be sitting there after a game, and somebody would call in and say, hey, how's Tony Gwynn doing tonight? Because you had no access <laughs> to anything, point. right? <laughs> That's we're funny to hear. ESPN <laughs> was quaint. <laughs> yeah, totally an information medium. But because now everybody has their phone and everybody right. can get how Mike Trout's doing tonight, we've morphed into an opinion medium. Right. Well, I, I was kind of the first guy in town to give the opinion and say, and what the Cardinals are doing here is criminal. It's ridiculous, and it's not fair to you, the fan. And so uh, I would talk to – Jack Buck was the guy who essentially got me on the air. Right. And he not would drive home name. listening to me. <laughs> then we would talk after the show, and I would say, how do you think I did? And he'd say, were you fair? And I said, I think so. And I said, do you think I was fair? And he said, you were fair. And so that's how I got started in the industry. And that's awesome. I think pe the fan who saw this happening kind of bought into what I was saying, right. too. So they were on my side, which helped. That's, that's really just, it is. It's so hard to associate with that feeling at the time. Because A, you need a, a DeLorean to go back to of that course. time. But there's, <laughs> again, just the, the glut of information available and false opinions, et cetera. So to kind of 
be at the forefront of that, that's a really special thing to have as part of your career, and then to also be tied to somebody who's, you know, a legend among legends but, with Jack Buck. But wait, I would imagine there's also was some early blowback also on that because you were one of those pioneers. Because so, what did other media types well, and did you hear from the organization when you started to go that route? I did, and it, it's really interesting. First of all, I, I was taking calls, and I was willing to, and I'm still willing to accept any criticism that people might have. Right. And yeah, you would get people that say, oh, no, the, you know, the Cardinals know what they're doing. They, they, mm. you know, Because they were coming off a really good stretch. They had won sure. the World Series in 82, been there in 85 and 87. But this, I could see, was a different era. And the blowback I got, and I don't know how often this has happened, was eventually Mark Lamping became the team president. And mm -hmm. he had listened to me all along. He was the president of AB, and he, he'd always lived in town. So when he takes over in like 93 or 94, he literally invited me into the office one day and opened the books and said, nobody sees this. This isn't, I don't do this, but I'm doing it for you to show me uh, what the Cardinals were spending and what they were taking in. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. and, and I was, yeah, how quickly wow. would yeah. someone's yeah. cell phone pop out and <laughs> yeah, no doubt about now. it. Yeah, yeah. So he explained it all to me and they were breaking even, they were, you know, and this was before this Anheuser Busch still on the team. So uh, he wanted to, to convince me that they were doing the right thing. Mm. He didn't, but I was appreciative of the fact that he at least took that shot. Mm. That's really interesting because at the time, um, again, I think you'll know what I say when I say this. You were a nobody compared to some of the the higher right. level people, right? I mean, that would be the equivalent. Of, I mean. If you're just talking about tiers, you were in the first tier of your career, correct? Right. Like that's that's super interesting that they would do it, and maybe there was other motivation behind it. Well, but if there I, I was think genuine. There, there were a couple of things. Yeah, yeah. I, I think number one, they knew once again because sports talk radio was in its actually by then. Yeah, it was still in its infancy. It started yeah, in '87 sure. and started here, maybe late '80s, early '90s. But they knew a that because I was on KMOX, a lot of people were listening to me. Mm -hmm. And B, and this is the biggest thing in my career, they understood that I knew a, what I was talking about, <laughs> that I wasn't just some guy that was right. throwing stuff out there. Right, that right. What I said, there was a method to, I had researched it, there was knowledge there, and I wanted to earn their respect. Right, and yeah. th that was a big thing for me, for, for them to respect me enough to say, hey, we disagree, but here's what's going on. Right. What? Who has been? So, if that was, uh, if we're on the scale of things, if that was, I'm guessing one of your more positive moments with team ownership or management. The negative side throughout all the sports years and all the different, uh, I guess, organizations you've covered, the people you've dealt with within those organizations. What's been the negative side of that throughout your career? I mean, I have a guess, but yeah, it's a hundred percent cronky. Yeah. It's uh, and. I had no idea of this until after everything had happened and after the Rams had left. Right. But when I did that town hall meeting, and people still come up to me five years later and say, hey, Randy, thanks for saying what you said at the town hall meeting and trying to stand up for St. Louis. Uh, that actually was shown in an owner's meeting. Uh, Dave really? Peacock told me subsequently that, yeah, that, that the NFL owners saw that oh, because wow. I, I pointed out that Mick Kroenke doesn't do a damn thing for uh, our community. Every other owner is philanthropically involved in their community, yeah. but, but not our owner. Right. He doesn't want anything to do with us. Right. And it, it, it was never him. It was always his underlings or his PR people right. that would 
uh, you, you somehow get in touch and say, no, this isn't the way things are going. Overall, I've had a remarkably good relationship with owners in, in St. Louis. And my approach now is, because Tom Stillman has been here, I've, I've been through like half a dozen Blues ownerships, yeah. a couple of Cardinal ownerships, yeah. multiple Rams ownerships. So uh, what, what I always say, and it's not out of arrogance, it's out of reality with all the coaches and players and owners, Look, I've been here longer than you have, and right, if I right. want to be, I'll be <laughs> right. here longer than you'll be around. <laughs> but, but, but I'm also, I, I, and they know this, I'm fair, and that's the big thing. I, I get, get texts at the station, you know, uh, why are you such a kiss-up to ownership? And I texted back to the guy and said, is it because perhaps the Blues just won the Stanley Cup and the Cardinals are in first place? Like, what do you want me to rip? Right, right, <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> like, if you're gonna if you're gonna cheer me on when I'm going after them, like, yeah. I understand. Like, they also can get pats on the back. Like, that's normal. Yeah, yeah. Is it difficult to be as critical as you need to be being in a city like St. Louis, where we all live amongst each other so closely? We have that small town feel. <laughs> interesting. Still. Yeah, it's obviously yeah. a major city, but of course we. It's like three degrees of separation. We either went to school with somebody, went to high school together. We work with somebody that works with our wife or goes to school with our right. kids. Like, is it difficult to to say some of the things that you really want to say? And have you had any blowback personally by sharing your opinion on certain issues? It, it, if what I said wasn't born of a great foundation, it would be tough. But that's my goal. Is I, w my opinion is based on a pyramid. I always have tried to build a foundation, and Bernie Miklas actually taught me this with the way he wrote columns, is you, you build a foundation for what your opinion is, mm. and you give your opinion because it's a reason. You don't just throw stuff out there. Gotcha. And there are, there are going to be times where people are unhappy, but if what you say is born out of reality, right. you just say, well... well What's your problem with reality? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to your to your I, point, Travis. I can tell you, yeah. millennials have a lot of problems with reality. Oh, yeah. I can tell you. Yeah. Well, uh, hold on a second. Can, can I interject here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Randy brought something up. Here. <laughs> okay. uh, Chris Randy, Gardner, everybody. Randy said, "You don't just throw stuff out there." Right? That's an interesting mm. now, Travis. Ethos okay. and uh, uh, point this is of view. Interesting. I feel like we're going somewhere with well, that. Well, Travis, you seem to have a bit of a, a trend with some of your opinions. I. So, His thought process is uh, similar to Jeff. Now, what? So, <laughs> I, I want to show Randy. Maybe we can oh. use you an ex as an example of what oh not to do. Oh boy! Here, oh you dear. can take so, this back to WXOS. So, so, tell Randy one day what you decided to just throw I, out there as an opinion. Randy, I was frustrated on the radio, and it was because of the direction of the St. Louis Cardinals. They were concluding the season of well, three I consecutive think, years. Well, I think this happened. You're, really, you're really giving yourself some padding I here. think this happened right after Mike Matheny was let go. I think it happened right I, around yes, that time. Yes, and I, I said, look, it's time to, like, scrap this thing and let's – not only go a different direction, but let's think outside the box. And so uh -huh. I was looking. Gardner said I needed to give him a name. He insisted that I give him a name. And so the name I gave him, I said, well, you need somebody that can unite the city. But you said you, you had to fire someone as well. You didn't mention who you said you, they should fire. I, I said, you know, I think he would make a great regional manager for Brooks Brothers. That was John Mosellock at the time. <laughs> he's, a good, he's a good-looking guy. <laughs> good day. Why the heck not? And I Look said, at that handsome devil on the and, screen. And yeah. I said, maybe there's an individual out west that has done wonders for a major city and organizations, sports organizations out there that could come to St. Louis and help. And that gentleman was... Magic Johnson. Yes. yes, Randy. I suggested that Magic Johnson take over the St. Louis Cardinals. Excuse me for having an opinion. Uh-huh. 
Huh. Interesting. <laughs> that's, that is, that's definitely outside the box. <laughs> Randy character. I mean, you want to just walk off with that. I, if, if that's the road we're going to go down, Randy, be careful. <laughs> Here's the thing, and, and I understand the frustration because of the entitlement that Cardinal fans have. Yes. And they, they don't generally look at other organizations right. and right. they don't understand no, no. or look at the fact that the Cubs finished in last place in five straight years to get where they are or that the mm -hmm. Astros did. Here's the thing with Mo. The Cardinals just clinched a winning season for the 12th consecutive year yep. that he's the general manager. Mm -hmm. They did miss the playoffs three consecutive years by a total of seven games. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're in the hunt every year. They have a shot every year. And it's hard, especially when you've won as much as they have. Right. It's hard to keep winning because the game is set up to reward the Houstons and the Cubs that are tanking and finish True. in last place. And another thing that we hate to accept here is that the Cardinals are going to work within the confines of a budget. Chris yeah. Ranji every day says, I wish they'd spend more money. I wish they'd spend more money. <laughs> well, you know what the reality is? I wish our radio station would spend more money and pay me. <laughs> but... You want, you want Travis Harrell doing overnights, and you can't even afford it. Come on. So uh, the businesses work within the confines right. of a budget, and, and Bill DeWitt is, is giving them a budget. So I think when you, when you look at, A, other teams, B, the reality of what baseball is, and C, the fact that they've succeeded at a pretty high level, I'm generally satisfied. Now, you also have the old, uh, okay, I'll give you five years after you win a championship. You get the five-year pass right. after you win a championship. We're, on, we're beyond that five years now. So I understand the frustration because the Cardinals, they've given us reason to feel entitled. Right? Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they have <laughs> yes. spoiled us. What a great thing to be aware of. Yeah, but I, I do think that, uh, number one, we, we have to be realistic. And number two, re reality also includes, I mean, think about this. In the last five years, you were supposed to have, leading up to this year, I won't even count 2019, but I'll say 15, 16, 17, 18, your number three hitter was supposed to be Oscar Tavares and your number four hitter was supposed to be Alan Craig. Yeah. And Tavares yeah. dies and Craig gets hurt. And then in the last couple of years, front of your, your front of the rotation guy is supposed to be Alex Reyes. And he gets hurt and you never see him. Yeah. So uh, they've also had to deal with some bad luck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But and I, I'm curious. It's very aware and coherent of you, Randy. And that's the <laughs> point. I'm really, like that was so reasonable. That was well argued. And I'm curious, how frustrated do you get being in the industry for as long as you have and seeing the wackos like myself who say <laughs> hot takes like that, but on a consistent basis, often rewarded because I feel like the tenor, if you will, of sports talk has drastically changed, and we've seen it on ESPN F FS1 every day. Sure. Does that frustrate you, knowing that you can put together a reasonable argument that people can gather around, but it seems that the Hot takers are always the one that gets the attention and everyone seems to be talking about. It doesn't bother me. It, it bothers me that a guy like Skip Bayless, for example, who doesn't appear to like sports. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a good he's, point. Yeah. <laughs> he's operational, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. He, he takes direction probably better. He's a robot almost, Let right? me tell you a story about Skip. Bernie Miklas worked with Skip, and I don't think Bernie would be – I think Bernie might have even told this story on the air. Bernie was the Cowboys beat writer for the Dallas Morning News in the late 80s, and – Bayless was there at that time, and the uh, Danny White had gone downhill. They had three quarterbacks, Gary Hogeboom, Steve Pallure, and Danny White. And the sports section was running a poll. Who should the, Cardinal, or who should the Cowboys' starting quarterback be? And late one afternoon, 
Bayless calls into the editor and said, hey, what's happening with that poll? And they said, well, White's running number one, Hogaboom's running number two, and Pelour's running number three. And Bayless said, okay, my column tomorrow is going to be why Steve Pelour should be the Cowboys starting oh, quarterback. Wow. And it's a paint by numbers. It's all right. It's yeah. all about reaction. So that bothers me. Of course. But if I can embrace debate if people know what they're talking about. There's a lot of people that take shots at Stephen A. Smith. And no, he doesn't know everything. I mean, he said Hunter Henry was going to play against the, the <laughs> didn't he? Uh, against the Chiefs. I really, as an MMA and, fan, I've loved Stephen A. Smith kind of wading into the MMA waters here. I'm like, oh, he's going to say something no, really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but. If it's the right venue, if mm. he's talking NBA, if yeah. he's talking most NFL, he can. And he used to be a columnist. Yes, he right. can come up with a coherent and logical argument. Uh, I, I get the sense that Kellerman does, but I, I'm not about the hot take because here's the thing: it's not all black and white. In most right. things in right. life, there's gray, right. Right. and yes. you have to be able, in my world, to to see that. But I know that the black or the white, the, the embrace debate, one side or the other right. sells. Right. It certainly does. And if you can get just enough of that maybe into your programming where you're, where the bosses are like, oh, yeah, there you go. Get well, a little taste of that. That's what Ranji is great about because DeMarco is as nice a guy as you'll ever mm -hmm. meet. And so when we had BT, who's really nice, and, and DeMarco, who's really nice, and me, I, I like to think of myself as, as really nice. Not that Ranji is not a nice guy, but Ranji is a contrarian. Yeah. And <laughs> there's, uh, I, I, for any good movie, have you ever gonna, seen a good movie without conflict? Where right. they just no. get along and just right. right off into the sunset. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Whether the conflict is a, a bad guy or whether the conflict is cancer or whether the conflict is, you know, the, the evildoer, conflict... It's what makes it great. Right. And I, not that we have vitriolic conflict on our show, but I think it's an important thing to have. And so I think Ranji does a great job of bringing that to the fast lane. We have no idea what you're talking about. We agree on literally, and I literally everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A guy who grew up in Farmington, Missouri, and a guy from North City, St. Louis. Well, things go really well around here. Yeah, Randy. you see everything. <laughs> you see the world in the same, through those same rose-colored uh, yeah, glasses I mean, and in the same way. He was thrown off a horse before he was six years old, just like me. Growing <laughs> up in North City, man. That's how it was. Those, those crazy North City horses, man. Now, uh, okay, so within the confines of radio, St. Louis is still very much like I, I see this. I've been listening to just pot for a little while. There was this thing where it's like podcast, radio. What is this? What is this? Then you, it all kind of equals out like almost like streaming services are essentially turning into cable companies right. right now as we watch everybody break off. With radio, I do find it interesting. It feels like you all are just kicking so much tail on the FM side of things. I know for a fact local TV does extremely well in St. Louis. So you have these things happening. Being a part of a big-time FM show with real consequences mm -hmm. if you say something wrong, um, how is that in 2019 maybe as compared to uh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Um, because you do got, you guys do have fun. I do listen whenever I can. You guys crack jokes. I know you have a lot of inside humor, and there's intimations of things. But you also, I see it where you get here and you bring it back, and you'll kind of bring it around. You have a style, and you know the paths to walk where people can't get you, yeah. for lack of a better term. Right, because we always say allegedly. It, and it's <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, uh, and masters class. I, I will say this: a, a huge part of the reason that we do what we do and I do what I do is Chris Gardner because when okay. we first started Randy, out, Chris your lies won't sit well here. Okay. <laughs> Chris, Chris, Chris was our first producer. That's amazing. In the fast lane. And his, 
politically incorrect humor. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because Bob Ramsey has it, and I have it, and so we all said, what the hell? And it, because it's FM, and there's a younger vibe, and you have a different feel on FM, yes. and you do on a podcast than AM or anything I'd ever, I'd ever done at KMOX, there's no doubt that it's just a more fun situation. And we go in with the idea, number one, it's three guys sitting at a sports bar talking sports. Right. But we go in with the idea that we're going to have fun. And especially in the world now, I mean, whether you are pro or against Trump, when you hear the word, everybody in the world tenses up. Yeah. I got to defend my guy or I got to attack this guy. Right. We don't bring that up. Right. So we are all about people getting in their car in the afternoon and having fun. And in regards to the radio, we, the immediacy of it, when the Cardinals are playing and we can give a score if a trade happens. I love podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. But I do, I do still think that there's a place for that immediacy of radio. And by the way, Absolutely. To, to give you an example, uh, when the whole Antonio Brown suit came down last right. week. Which Chris, one? Chris Gardner will love this. The, the initial one, the, uh, the sexual assault suit. Somebody texts in and says, do you think that if they reach a settlement, this woman reaches a settlement on this suit, that that'll take the load off her back. We had to use that on the air. So we went out and... <laughs> I'm try I tried so, to just... So, so, we, uh, I, I, I really so, just... so we went out in the hall and I told our general manager who was out there about this text. And he said, oh, that's unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, we had to put that one on the air because it's, it's that double entendre that you just absolutely love. It's, it's unbelievable. Have you... Uh, have you just, like, there's a, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. This is just this, my this reaction. Is this said. is just what it is. That's all I can say. <laughs> I'm not... I don't get to decide right and wrong. I just react to things that are said in front of me. That's all I can do. Have you have you ever had a have you had an athlete here? You don't have to mention any names, but have you had no, an no, athlete at time uh, confront you about something that you've said on the radio? It was a long time here? ago, and I, I try to make myself available. And I, uh, I, I'll admit, I don't make myself as available, and hopefully, I will now to the Cardinals because getting off at seven and getting to the ballpark is a tough thing. Of well, course. now that our show has been moved to ending at six, it'll be easier. But yeah, back when I was covering the team on a daily basis, and you'd talk to people. There were two incidents. Number one, uh, there were several pitchers, and I had I had good relationships with everybody on that team. But right. there were several pitchers who didn't like throwing to Tom Pagnazzi, and they they would tell you off the record, yeah, you know, I, it wasn't that they didn't like throwing to Pagnazzi. It was they preferred throwing to the other catcher at the time. I don't even remember who it was. And Pagnazzi comes up to me and says hey, I heard you were saying that uh, pitchers don't like to throw to me. And I, I think I even told him, I said, no, it's just that they prefer throwing to the other guy. And he said, well, who'd you hear that from? And I said, well, uh, I'm not going to tell you, but you can ask your starting pitchers if you want, if they would prefer throwing to the other guy. And uh, mm. I, I said, just out of curiosity, uh, when were you listening? And he said, oh, I wasn't listening. He, a, a family member told me. And I said, well, that's part of our problem here is right. that you have to listen and you have to hear what I said because I didn't say they don't like throwing to Pagnazzi. I said they prefer throwing to the other guy. And uh, he, he was bothered by that, but we left on good terms. Okay. And then an, another time, and I totally get it, was at, 
one point in the late 80s, one of the bad years, either 80, must have been 88, the Cardinals were really bad, mm-hmm. and they couldn't score. And one night they score like, and they were pitching pretty well, one night they score like 11 runs, but the pitching blows up and they lose 12 to 11 or something like right. that. And so I go up to Vince Coleman and I said, it must be frustrating uh, after all this time of not scoring, you finally explode and the pitching doesn't hold up. And they were bad. So I, I get it. He says, man, you expect me to just go out and start criticizing my pitchers? And I said, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. I just said, it must be frustrating. He said, I'm not going to sit here and criticize my pitchers. <laughs> and then he, he went on for three or four <laughs> minutes. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty, for the, for the time frame that you've had, those are pretty tame yeah. compared to what you could see. And, and then the other one, I had nothing to do with. So I'm down in the clubhouse one time, and Albert Pujols comes up to me and says, hey, you, you said I took steroids. And I said, what? <laughs> he, said, oh, yeah, oh, no. yeah, he said, Yadi and I were watching you on TV, and uh, you, you said I took steroids. And I said, when was I on TV? And he said, Channel 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yadi and I were watching in the clubhouse before the All-Star game, and you said, you said I was taking steroids. I said, I've never said that you've taken steroids. I, I have no idea where this is coming from. And he goes on, he says, you know, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And it was... It, it, and I had no idea what the hell was going on. And so he finishes his little lecture, and then Skip comes up to me and said, did, Skip Schumacher, said, did you just get yelled at? So uh, on my way home, I called Rennie Knott, and I said, uh, man, last time I was on your show, did I ever talk about using steroids? Uh, Albert using steroids? He said, no. And I said, well, why would he say this? And he said, well, Kevin Slayton was on last oh, week. No. Oh, no. And he was talking about pools uh, using performance enhancers. Albert thought I was no. Slayton. <laughs> See, Travis, your theory holds up. We do all look alike. We all look the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Albert had never seen the pit before. <laughs> oh, my God. Exactly. So that's what that was. And then Albert ultimately, I explained it to him. I said, look, it wasn't me. I wasn't even in town when... That happened, so I, I went up and told him what the deal was, and he apologized to me. But got the apology. Weird. Yeah. They, uh, that is extremely weird. But I mean, I guess if you're him in passing, you just see a guy that you know that's that's around sometimes, and it just gets locked in your head, right? right? And yeah. It's, mm. yeah. And the the amazing thing about it is, is that when Albert got to hit 3,000 or home run 600, he told his people, "Look." The only show I'm going on is the show with Randy. And that's awesome. Yeah, he said, wow. I'm not doing any other uh, St. Louis radio. I'll, I'll do those guys, but that's it. That's so awesome. He, we've developed a really good relationship since. Do you want to announce here today that you are going to be the next play-by-play man for the St. Louis Battlehawks? Do we? All of you should be ashamed. All of you should be ashamed. First off, I love, I love the organic energy that's now starting. To cool. surround the XFL here at St. Louis, and now that you're on, <laughs> I don't do you know what Gardner, you've gotten yourself into Gardner, with the Battle Hawks? Do you have the shot of, of Randy again? Did you want to do that one more time for the camera? If you wanted to, how did that go? Uh, this camera right here. Yeah. <laughs> so the cacao yeah. movement is underway. Yeah. Wings going. Fly, too. fly high, Cacaw! Battle Hawks. Um, <laughs> what we got to do? Battle Hawks bylaws instead of Rams we rules. Do. Yeah, they do. And the final one, which will be bylaw number five, slow clap it out as you go to kickoff. But we go. Slow flap it up? Ka. 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 Oh, 
卡卡卡卡卡卡卡卡卡卡卡卡卡卡卡卡卡。Local comedian Sam Lyons is、uh, excited to see Randy Kakaraker on. I just wanted to、uh, <laughs> let everybody know about that. So, how、um, do you how do you guys plan on、uh, going there, about covering the Battle Hogs?、Right? Yeah, I don't know how you do that because it's number one. I love what they're doing. Yeah, but. You can't realistically treat them like we treat the Cardinals or the Blues or Mizzou, and at that time of year, if they're doing, they are doing February, March, that's against the Blues and that's against Cardinal spring training. So they will be covered,、hmm. but I just don't know how. And going back to the play-by-play,、uh, I've, I've done play-by-play. If they would ask me to, sure,、I、nice. But, but if 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 they would ask Steve Savard, I think that'd be great because I think Sevy's a terrific yeah, radio play-by-play guy, right, football player. Yeah, and it, I know there are a lot of good pl- football play-by-play guys in town. So if if they would ask me, sure.、Uh, but I like to answer the question. I, I like what they're doing. I know we'll cover it. I just don't know how in、okay. depth and, and how crazy we'll go. But I think it's going to be fun, and I think it has a chance. One of the things that the XFL did, and one of the reasons that we got a team, is because our Fan base, the 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 hardcore football fan in St. Louis, was rated in the top eight. Now, obviously, they went to L.A. and that they don't have a hardcore fan base. But、right. when we're going against a San Diego, for example, who lost a team, they said, you know, St. Louis really does have a passion for sports and for for this sport. So that's why they wanted to give us an opportunity. That's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. It, I think it is, and it is funny, like whether people are being silly or not. Like it's. Like you're building interest, yeah. However, that's being done. I I, I like that a lot. Gardner, are you getting the Battle Hawks tattoo? Um, I、oh、would、God. like to get one.、Uh, possibly if they beat those damn Vipers, who、oh, I just can't stand. Vipers fans, Vipers fans, they're, they're a whirly bunch. Pieces of, just too all. Throw out the rule books.、Yeah. Right? Uh, no, yeah, do whatever you have to. Yeah. T- to them and their fans. Did、mm-hmm. you see the tweet? I, I I've hated the Vipers for as long as I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of,、uh, Travis asked me about tattoos.、Um, how is your tattoo going? My tattoo is good. It's、uh, oh. Oh, are you, you, are you not aware? No, you're not, not a loyal、aware. listener. No way. Oh, no doctor. Shut no, up. No, When did this happen? We're gonna see it live,、uh, baby. It happened on、uh, the 24th of June. Shut so, up. To、uh, lay the backstory, were you still there with us when I said I would get the tattoo? I think it was like 2011-ish. <sighs> that's tough. I'm not sure. I might have been drunk. So, <laughs> oh, that's, that's a great <laughs> point. He was getting fired、yeah. by the man. So, <laughs> actually, I think Michelle Smallman might have been the, our,、okay. our producer at the time. And the Blues were either bad or got knocked out of the playoffs, and I, I was the exasperated Blues fan. And right, they're never going to win. And somebody said, "Well, if they ever win, are you going to get a tattoo?" And I said, "Of course, they're never going to win." So、uh, this became a thing, and it became a hashtag. And what at the、yes. parade when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, I was a half the people that I ran into said, "Hey, Randy, when are you getting the tap?、That's、when are you getting、hilarious. the tap?" So. <laughs> This is、But、when you were in New York. This、yeah. is what you yeah, missed. Yeah, I missed. Ten days after the Stanley Cup, we did the show from the St. Peter's location of the Ink Spot. They're in Troy and St. Peter's. Big Dave Canoy, who's a fantastic tattoo artist, the, the best in town, and I, I did a lot of research, my due diligence,、okay. and I made sure that I, <laughs> I went to the best guy in town. So Big Dave Canoy is doing it. We start the show at three o'clock, and Dave says beforehand, he said, "Look." 
This is going to feel like I'm dragging toothpicks across your back when I put this on. And I said, okay, I can handle this. And he also warned me, he said, about one in 50 people pass out when they're getting oh. a tattoo. Now, I was thoroughly distracted by doing a show so, of course. as I was getting the tattoo put on. And uh, so uh, many, many, many blues fans have gotten tattoos. And I, there was no way I was not going to pay off the listenership right, when yeah. I promised if the Blues ever won the Stanley Cup <laughs> that I would get a tattoo. Unbelievable. So, oh, yeah. oh, my so, gosh, no Gardner. Way. We're getting it live. Unbelievable. Look at that. That's outstanding. I'm getting a picture of this. Hang on, Randy. Uh, <laughs> this is it. Here this we go. And live in studio, we've got a photo oh, of Randy. Man, what, is, a, what a sport. That is what a that is awesome. Committed I did not to know his that. craft. I see. I didn't know that. That's I didn't right. know that. That's what you're getting, Kaka Nation. Uh, <laughs> That's what you're getting. This is uh, number one. It didn't go over very well at home. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, in our business. You have to pay off. You right? pay if it you, off. You tell people for like six or seven years. Yeah, I'm going to get a tattoo if the Blues win. You better get the tattoo if the Blues win. And I'm. <laughs> I like it. Dave did it. As you can see, he did an unbelievable job. That but is man, awesome. it's. Amazing how many people have gotten blues tattoos since I, they won the cup. I could have interrupted Randy there. I, I had a picture. You didn't have to. Uh, I, <laughs> no, 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 I wanted the drama. Okay, he wants okay, the dra okay. He's a dramatic person, Gardner. <laughs> and I'll be honest, it's still surreal. I know the preseason just got underway yesterday, and I, I was I was gone. I, that's the thing I hate. I was not here for he these was festivities. He cleaning up for Big Bird in, <laughs> in uh, New York. So since I've gotten back, I'm still trying to catch up on all the excitement that everyone else got caught up in, and it's still. They're the, they're going into this upcoming season as the defending Stanley Cup champions. How surreal is this moment? And how great is it for St. Louis to be, I mean, after years of what we went through, of course, with the Rams, and now see MLS and XFL and the Blues winning the Stanley Cup and the Cardinals again looking like they're heading towards the playoffs. How, how does this feel again to see St. Louis finally where, it, where many say it, they should be? Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. I do think that... St. Louis sports fans, especially on the heels of what happened with the Rams, they want to show how great they are. And they right. have, even though PGA will never release official stats, uh, I was told that we had record crowds for the PGA Championship. That was very cool to see. Yeah, the, the women's soccer team yes. had bigger crowds at Bush Stadium to see them than they did playing in some World Cup games, which is unbelievable. And then, obviously, to win the Cup and get MLS – I, I think it's great for our town. I've always thought that the only real galvanizing sports in society uh, is sports. The, the only galvanizing force. Religion isn't going to galvanize us. Politics isn't going to galvanize us. Uh, the economy isn't going to galvanize us. It's tragedy and sports, and we right. don't want tragedy, right? right so right. it's sports is the one thing, and... Uh, championships can bring everybody together, and the, the Stanley Cup did. And it is is—it's—it it is surreal to think that after 52 years, they won the Cup, and then soon after that, St. Louis gets awarded the MLS franchise, and so many good things are happening yeah. on the sports front here in St. Louis. Let's, let's keep it on that note. Can the MLS positively impact St. Louis? I mean, is it that type of sport? Will there be that kind of support? I think to an extent it will. Great uh, answer. <laughs> you can just well, hit period here's, there. Here's I the agree. Problem. And, and uh, my friend Bob Wallace has made this point. He was a former uh, general counsel and the executive vice president for the Rams. And the, the one thing about soccer and hockey and baseball is that they don't attract the more urban 
sports fan. Right. Football and basketball right. attract the, the more urban sports fan. So, yes, I think that it can galvanize a large portion of the community, but mm. it's not going to get everybody under that umbrella. To the Blues' credit, they're doing an amazing job Agreed. of trying to get everybody under that umbrella. Yeah, they they, they've had camps out at Matthews Dickey, mm -hmm. and they're trying to get young minority people uh, interested and involved in hockey, but it's a really expensive sport. It's hard yeah. to get kids to play. So I do think that MLS, to an extent, can galvanize the community. And by the way, I, it's not a coincidence that when this entire process started, that announcement that, that uh, Carolyn Kendall Betts and Jim Cavanaugh and all of those people made was at Matthews Dickey's, right? right? <clears throat> so hopefully we'll be able to get our our region more galvanized sure. that it, than it is, and hopefully sports can play a, a huge role in that. I oh, completely agree. Gardner, i got to tell folks about Farmington Fall Fest. This mm -hmm. weekend, our friend Carly Lawrence, she's the in-game host for the St. Louis Blues. She's going to emcee. We've got all kinds of great bands, Farmington Fall Fest, Brews, Blues, and Barbecue. Marquise Knox, Travis, you heard of him? I have. He's on tour with Cheap Trick and ZZ Top right now. That's the exciting oh, part, right? Randy knows. Look at him helping out with yeah. everything. That's good. FarmingtonFallFest.com is where you can head to see the event schedule. You can see all about the barbecue contest, which is backed by the St. Louis Barbecue Council. Again, Saturday, Friday and Saturday this week. Come check it out. It's only an hour south of here. You can see uh, where I grew up in Murphy Settlement, oh Gardner. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, well, Brews, certainly. Blues, and Barbecue, our friends in Funky Butt Brass Band, John Henry, will be down there. So music, craft beer, and barbecue all weekend long. Come check that out. Do you ever wonder if the uh, facial hair for ZZ Top is going to turn gray? Yeah, I, I'm curious as to if that's something that they have in their plan. Like, is this at a certain point, like when you're they... 80, do you finally say, <laughs> all right, I was tricking you the whole time. We were making that Unbelievable happen. Unbelievable how old. I, Rick Okasik was 75 when he died. Yeah. How old these musicians are. I, I basically accidentally went to Hall, went to Hall and Oates last year at uh, Enterprise Listen Center. To Travis, he's trying to act like he doesn't have like, their hits. We'll get an email, <laughs> hey, tickets available <laughs> in, the, in the break room. So I went and picked some up, and I said, what the hell, we'll go. Yeah, they... They propped them up. It was like, uh, it, yeah, it, it was now a train open for them, and train was great. But these guys are seventy at least, uh, yeah. And, and the Eagles, by the way, before Glenn Fry died, and he died at sixty-seven, they were unbelievable, right, in their late sixties. But all of these musicians that are really kicking it in their 60s and 70s is amazing. Yeah. It, it really is, and it just shows you how powerful money and management oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is with that. Because if you're 70 and you've kind of, especially that era, like now maybe people do drugs or parties, but like I, you'd be hard-pressed to show me a, a wilder time on a rock tour than the 60s, 70s, 80s, no like doubt. for mm -hmm. what they were getting into. And the fact that you could sell, man, I'm 35, and I did not party half as hard. I hurt every day. I just look in the mirror. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I doing? What's going on here? So I can't imagine being out on the tour on the road. At Gardner, you probably feel like a lot of those rock stars from your partying days. I mean, what's it like waking up feeling like that every day? 40 now. <laughs> It can be rough at times. <laughs> There's a reason Daddy had to get a new mattress for his back. <laughs> no, I heard uh, there was one time Fleetwood Mac came to town. And this might have been three or four years ago now. And Bob Ramsey, Rammer, told me he was going to see it. Went and saw it. I talked to him about it the following day. And I said, what do you think? He's like, he just seemed a little down. I'm like, what is it? He's like, well, that's the last time I'm going to see him. I mean, they're kind of on their way. I, and I go... What's going on? What's bothering you? He's like, I, I don't know. I go, I know what it is. Because Raymer and I, we are different, but we're also alike in ways. And so I picked up on something with him. I go, 
music we've talked about this defines your adolescence, right? Yeah. Defines sure. your youth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You see that your band is on their way out, and now you have to face your own mortality, yep. and you're dealing with that in your that mind. Was this <laughs> that was this and, last weekend. I don't and, see and I say movies. that to him, and he just he's like, yeah, and then walked away from me. He's like, he's like. I wish we wouldn't talk about things sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's, I, how, no, I felt, that's, no, that's, that's how I felt with Lil Wayne. I was like, I'm so old. Lil Wayne. <laughs> I don't know when I'll see Lil Wayne again. Is, oh, man, he's leaving. Come got, on, Lil Wayne. Hang out a little bit longer. Blink 182 in their mid-40s talking about the girl next door. I'm like, I don't want to hear you talking about a 16-year-old old man. Like, Come on. Uh, Randy, this is an important week uh, for the, uh, the birds and the bat. Uh, a big win last night, yeah. uh, and of course you got a four-game set uh, against the Cubs this uh, weekend. Uh, how are you feeling about the Cardinals' chances, especially coming off Sunday's devastating? It was no Magic uh, Johnson. It was. It wasn't. But right. it, this yeah. has been. I think this has been from a fan perspective. It's been an odd season for me because I, I, I was like, this. They're not going to get it together, and then they went on this crazy run after the All Star break, and now we're in the thick of it, and the Cubs are two games back. How are you assessing their chances, especially going into the rest of this big week? Man, I wish I knew. And it's, it's amazing that the Brewers are so close because the <laughs> yeah, Cardinals, yeah. Cardinals could miss the playoffs yeah. very easily. Mm-hmm. And I, I really thought that they were in trouble going against Strasburg, Corbin, Scherzer. To win a game in that series is Huge. a real positive. Yeah. I do think they have to win one in Chicago over the weekend. And then if you can come home with a chance to – beat them in that final series. And by the way, they have to go to Arizona before they come home to, to beat Chicago. Right. I, I will feel good if they can come home with an opportunity to win that. Okay. They do face Kyle Hendricks twice in those seven games. Mm. So you've got you've to win uh, a couple of those other games. But I, I feel pretty good about them. They, now that Carlos Martinez is back, and they would have won the game on Sunday if they would have had Carlos, I think that makes a huge difference. The starting pitching has been fantastic. Absolutely. And they do have... Not like they did in the 80s, but relative to the other teams in the National League right now, they have the ability to manufacture a run, and they don't, even though most of their runs do come from the home run, the fact that they steal bases, get runners into scoring position, they can win games. It's amazing to me that the Cardinals are only a 500 team in one-run games. You should be better than that if you're in contention. And they have a good enough bullpen, so if they can put some runs together, hopefully they uh, they can win. But... Man, I, I, I wish I could say definitively I feel good, but I wouldn't be surprised if they miss the playoffs either. That, that's where I'm, I, I feel like things are, are sitting with me as well. Maybe, is that objective or is, are we being negative? I think we're being negative. <laughs> <laughs> I, are, I, I, I do. Hello, because self. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, you walk into a locker room and the players are the same every day. And the, the thing with this team, and I go, number one, how many times have I said, uh, through the great stretch that they had, man, I hope they face some adversity down the stretch because I want them to be battle-tested going oh, into yeah. the playoffs. <laughs> battle so hawk. now that they're facing yeah. adversity, I'm saying, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? Why aren't they winning every game? That's a great way to uh, assess your fandom, and I appreciate that about you. Yeah. Uh, real quick, got to tell you guys about Gateway Powder Coating. Check them out online, gatewaypowdercoat.com. Number one resource for powder coating in the Midwest. Travis, I know you got that rusty smoker sitting I at do, your man. house. I do, I don't know what to do. Who should I take it Well, to? Gateway Powder Coating. Say hi go. to Mark and the fellas out at Gateway Powder <laughs> Coating in beautiful O'Fallon. Right, Gardner? Beautiful. God's country. O'Fallon. That's right. <laughs> uh, we've got a little bit of time left with Randy. Travis, uh, the greatest show on turf, 
uh, was a big part of our vibe. We're, again, we were the perfect age to go up and then to be involved with it like you were. Some of the uh, the positive memories from the uh, from the Rams days. I mean, did they didn't all get washed away with oh, that no, decade no. of just garbage football. But No, here's the thing with getting washed away. I, I always – people that say they didn't enjoy McGuire in 98, that, that, that they have retroactive uh, – change in really in in their in their <laughs> Does your hand get sore from well, backhand <laughs> here, here's Wait, the thing on. it's like saying okay well got married had an awesome honeymoon the sex was great but then we got divorced so that marriage that wedding day wasn't great you can't just retroactively change right, your emotions right. like that yeah. and i wouldn't do that with the rams as, as great as that stanley cup victory was being at that first Home playoff game in St. Louis Ooh, where Isaac scored That's tied for my favorite yes. sports moment in St. Louis. The the greatest show on turf was awesome. Dick Vermeil put together such a good group of yes, people. He did. And that's the, the the thing that I love about so many of the championship teams here, there is a real correlation between good people and winning. Yes. And Agreed. DV Agreed. the uh I'll try to clean it up a little bit here. But, uh, in that first team meeting that he had before the 1999 season, and obviously Trent had been hurt and Kurt was the quarterback, he, he told everybody, he said, look around this room. Everybody does, and what the hell. See anything? Notice anything? Not really. You know, there, there's not a jerk in this room. And he used a, a different phrase, but he said, there, there's not a jerk in this room. And he said, there's a reason for that. And... So I was able to, de- and the NFL was different. It wasn't a paranoid right, league at that right, time. Right. So I was able to develop real friendships with all of those guys too. Wow. So to have them succeed at that level, and I picked them to go 12 and four before that season started. I so, didn't realize. Yeah. Oh, wow. Look, yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, it, in August, uh, I, I picked them. Uh, I was doing the Cardinal pregame show at the studio, go over to the stadium, and I walk in, and there's Jack Buck. He said, are you crazy or drunk? <laughs> I said, no. I said, uh, it's a different league now. And the Rams had all of these skilled position players. I, I, I just knew the offense was going to be great. Yeah. I didn't know the defense was going to be that great. But that 99, 2000, 2001 group was just so much fun. And I, I loved being able to be around that group. And I was a season ticket holder, so on Sundays I didn't have to cover them. I watched them from the right. stands. So That's it was fantastic. great. If you could have the opportunity to say something to Stan Kroenke, what would you say? And one, would you yeah. even want the opportunity? If someone said, hey, Stan wants to have a conversation, would you take that? An interview, it? or does he get a closed door? You're just a closed no. door. It doesn't have to be an interview. You a just discussion. sit down with him as a, a man of St. Louis, as, a, as a, a Rams fan. Would you want that conversation, and what would you say if you could? My, one of my colleagues, Michelle Smallman, actually had a conversation with him at the Super Bowl a couple oh, of years wow. ago. Oh, wow. And said everything that I would want to say. Mm. And he's delusional. He has no idea that he did some, either that or he doesn't want to admit it, whatever it is, right. uh, uh, that he screwed up so badly. And he said, oh, I had to leave St. Louis. I, I, I had no choice to leave St. Louis. Well, no, you did. You got offered $450 mil, uh, million dollars to help build a yeah. $1.1 billion stadium. You didn't spend, or you didn't get a dime of public money in LA. Right. You went there. To yeah. be able to make the money from your development in Los Angeles, uh, and I don't find him to be a very socially <laughs> on on point guy. Right. I, he, right. He's very socially awkward. I, after the team left, I did an open letter to him at our website, and 
I think that's all that I need gotcha. to say to him. He just he doesn't understand the business that he's in. He doesn't understand that when he's selling a ticket and when we're we're buying a ticket, we're buying emotion. We're buying hope. And he had no I he thought that he was moving a Walmart. Right. You know? Right, he right, had right, no idea right. that he was ripping the heart out of a community. And he's just He's a bad guy. <laughs> that's, a, I mean, that's a great way to put it. I yeah. mean, and to have that too, because you're not, you're just gonna, you're not gonna get anything. That well's tapped. Like yeah. It's there's right. yeah. there's not gonna be anything fulfilling. And to that. our advantage, I think, I think if we look twenty years down the road, the Rams have been gone. What this is their fourth season away, sixteen, seventeen, yeah, fourth season away. I think if we would have looked, or if we do look, twenty five years down the road, at spending the money to build that new stadium and where that league might be then, yeah. we might say, man, we really dodged a bullet. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a good point. Because even in Dallas, even in Dallas, Texas, uh, high school football participation is down 20%. It's, it's really? down across the board here. Almost nobody has a freshman football team anymore. Everybody combines freshmen and JV because moms aren't letting their sons play football. football. So where are they going to go? And they will have enough players, but right. they're going to miss out on a lot of the, the best athletes who are going to other sports. And from a quality standpoint, we saw the best that the F NFL will ever have to Very offer because true. that team could be coached. Yes. Uh, the coaches had access to the players and they were able to coach them up. And we could see hitting and you, you can't see hitting anymore. Charlie Clemens almost knocked off Jeff George's head in that game. <laughs> now he'd be called for a 15-yard penalty. <laughs> right. So I do think that the NFL has apexed, and I, I don't think there's anywhere to – not that they're going anywhere, but I don't think there's any more upside for right. them in America. I think it's probably downhill. I think if we look 25 years down the road, we might say, boy, we're lucky we got MLS rather than kept the NFL. That's really interesting. Uh, can you believe it's been 10 years since this image first appeared? My look goodness, at look at those Holy handsome cow. devils. Look oh, at that. man. Did I have gray hair then? I don't know. I'm colorblind. <laughs> yeah, me too. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> 10 were, years. It was just yeah. a touch. It was, you could have been a yeah, spokesman no, really, for uh, really, Yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm really great. Oh, it certainly But, does. yeah, we had actually on the same day, the day after uh, or the Monday, after Chris Duncan passed away, we had both DeMarco and Rammer on the show. It was great to hear their voices and talk to them. And I've maintained a great relationship here in town, obviously, with Rammer. I don't hear as much from uh, DeMarco, but two of my favorites. And uh, it, it's amazing. We had a typical radio story. Uh, two years in, we have our first number one book on our show, The Fast Lane at 101 ESPN. Mm -hmm. It's at Christmas time. And before we leave at Christmas, we get bonuses for having good ratings. So all the paperwork is set at our computers as we leave uh, for Christmas time. We come back after New Year's, and they get rid of Rammer and our producer. So we, we had four people involved with the show. Chris was already gone by that point. We, you were gone by that mm -hmm. point, right? So we've got four people involved with the show, and they fire two of them. And I said, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> and so they bring me in, the new producer and the program director, and they said, well, here's the changes we, we want to make. And they're, you know, this, this, this. I said, you know, the show f just finished number one, right? That's, <laughs> that's so great. Like, that is, yeah. I've heard, but I've heard 50 million stories like that yeah. in radio. How do you combat that? Now with, you've got Brad and Raji on and, and yourself, you're still going to deal with changes all yeah. the time, right? Is that just something, if you're telling that to somebody that's trying to follow your career path, mm -hmm. do you tell them, like, get ready because this is an unavoidable consequence yeah, thing that you deal with? Yeah, it, it's part of the deal. With that particular one, it was a new program director that wanted to make his mark. 
And he thought Chris Duncan was going to be a star, and Chris was going to be he a was. star. Yeah. But uh, I don't know why you tear apart the number one show, but people like new bosses, yeah. like to make their impact and imprint on radio stations, TV stations, companies. Yeah, and it is. It is something that is a hassle to deal with in radio, but it's nothing that we wouldn't see in the real world, right? right? Because there's a lot of businesses, most businesses, where you're either going to get laid off or you're going to wind up getting fired. So uh, I look at it like this. I could be working for a living. So I'm willing, <laughs> to, to, remind uh, I, I'm willing to take <laughs> that, that bad. And the other thing I've learned in the, the business is getting good with the GM. Uh, get, see if you can get to a point where you're, you, you can talk to that GM on a regular basis so that if you do get whacked, there's a real good reason for it. And it's right. not just somebody trying to make an imprint. Right. Well, well, I have to say, I, I, I grew up in St. Louis. I've been watching and listening to you, and it, it has been a, a true pleasure to have you on. And we, Gardner and I were just joking about the pit and how you guys would go toe-to-toe. Like, that was my first introduction to sports debate. And you guys were so fun, and I, I truly appreciate it. I, I just remember you... I, was, I used to always go, like, I don't know how Randy can keep up with Charlie Tuna because he is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he is doing a hell of a job. Tuna, and I thinks, have Tuna <laughs> thinks OJ's innocent. That's all you need to know. That's what I was like, I was like oh, man, they got Randy against Charlie today, huh? I don't know if that's going to work out fine because Charlie be all over the page. Charlie and I love each other. We, yes. we have a great relationship. And once again, it, that's what's wonderful about sports is that you can have that debate, and you can it can be heated, right. but everybody's smiling at the end right. of the day because it really doesn't mean that much. Right, uh, right. Um, what a great way to, to wrap things up. Gardner, I know, what do you One final question. Yeah. Not who the best producer you've ever had is, but who's the funniest <laughs> producer you've ever had in radio? Uh, we had this guy, and DeMarco Farr affectionately nicknamed him Bear. <laughs> and uh, what? he was... Uh, he, this is a, a, a true story. Uh-huh. Like about a year before BlackBerry went out of business, Chris Gardner said, you got to get one of these. These are the best. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, I mean, we get smartphones all over the place. And he, he shows me this BlackBerry. So I went out and got the exact same phone he had you. and spent like $400. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> these are the best, and then they go out of business. But no, there's, uh, there is absolutely no doubt, and this is... Uh, if you know about Secretariat in the Belmont, winning by 31 lengths, <laughs> it's it's Chris Gardner and then it's the rest of the field. That's the funniest <laughs> producer. Yeah, the best it, yeah. That's why we have tea times. <laughs> Good for you guys. <laughs> wow, you can listen to radio on 101 right here in St. Louis. Also, you can go to the website, 101ESPN.com. Podcast, all kinds of great information and uh, and sports updates as well. 2 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Listen live as uh, as we all do as well. So what a pleasure to have you. Thank in, you so I much. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, great to talk to you guys. You. Well, it, I hope your back's not extra sore from carrying another hour of programming <laughs> today. So we'll, we got to get you back in sometime <laughs> soon, Randy. Thank you, sir. Big thanks to our friends at St. Louis Counseling, all of our other great sponsors. And remember, Happiest Hour, the uh, comedy series, returns Thursday right here in Grand Center at Sophie's. Edgy comedy, Chris. Really edgy Pushing comedy. Boundaries That's right. Thursday. We're going to be auditioning people for the new <laughs> Saturday Night Live role this week. Uh, free comedy. I know what to avoid. Asian Americans are welcome at our show. I'd like to say that. Thanks to Jack Daniels and Schlafly for being a part of that comedy series as well. For Rady Carriker, Travis, and the greatest, funniest producer of all time, Chris Gardner. We're back live tomorrow at 8 a.m. We'll see you then. Peace. <laughs>